Hey everyone, how you doing? This is Amon Green, Green Bay Packers all-time leading rusher, and you're listening to The Average Cheese, hosted by Dell and Todd, two lifelong Packer fans talking about their favorite team, the 13-time champion, Green Bay Packers. Go Pack Go! So welcome to episode 44 of the Average Cheese Podcast. I'm Dale Lobel. Todd Widener is here with me today. This episode will be called Full Circle. Todd goes the fuck off <laughs> on the Aaron Rodgers debacle. Plan yeah. on much cussing. I've got a ton of quarters ready for the swear jar. Before we get to that, thanks to Rhonda at RM Management and Dwight at DDGCustoms.com. We appreciate both of you. You're going to be paying dearly today after this episode. <laughs> <laughs> and I haven't mentioned this in a while. You can get a hold of us at AVGCheese at gmail.com. And you can catch us on Facebook, even though you all know we're not there. <laughs> I put on the Twitters today that we are now in 33 states and 12 countries. Just had at Hound 55 from Australia. He has reached out to us and I appreciate him listening. So when he listens to this one, thank you. I will send you the average cheese window cling. All you got to do is send me your address. And we just had a new listener in South Carolina and one in North Dakota. So we're getting there. 50 states by the end of the season. That's the goal. Todd, how are you, brother? I'm doing good. I'm I'm looking forward to this one actually. So had to, you know just a full week of a lot of the different thoughts toiling around in my head, and I was like, man, I gotta. I was just getting frustrated, you know, with all the uh, stuff I've been reading with the whole uh, Aaron Rodgers situation. Angry at some points, and uh, rightfully so. I guess you know I was just like, man, I really need to fucking vent this this kind of stuff, you know. And I was like, wait, you know, I I, I got a fucking podcast that I do. <laughs> What what better time to, to yes. really make it happen? So, um, and Peter and I have done it. So it is your opportunity to go off and do yes. your thing because we have already vented our frustrations. It's your turn. I'm yeah. sorry that you have not had your opportunity. So today, and is with that- all due respect to our esteemed uh, colleague Peter, when he listens to this, I think we're just on opposite sides. Of, we're definitely on opposite sides of the pond, but we're definitely on opposite sides of the fence when it comes to this topic. I think whenever whenever you collaborate on producing something, it's always good to have yeah, different perspectives. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He is the Nostradamus of of the average cheese. Yes, yes, of course. It's hard to oppose somebody like that. Is is to challenge somebody like that with some somebody who has that much credibility. So, and we're just dudes. Yeah, yeah, we're just average. Peter's the historian. We're just fucking fans. That's all we are. Yeah. Oh, so. before I forget, so before we start this, I want to thank Dave Burkett again. For the Lions episode, he was outstanding. It was really a great perspective to talk to him and very different to talk to someone who's a professional like that, who's in the world, can't say shit. He's got to kind of toe the line. And then thanks to JB from the Vikings podcast. Thanks to him for coming on. And next week, we will have the guys from Zero Doinks, which is a Bears Bears. podcast. So we'll wrap up the NFC North with them. I look forward to talking to them next week. And uh, this one's just going to be in between. So it's going to be the Todd episode. 
the tweener. All right, let's well, go. Let's talk about let's talk about the time. I mean, the the reason I uh, this episode is called Full Circles because I, I mean I really felt like you know as I was starting to write it up and and stuff like that. You know, the whole start of this of our podcast was just the frustration over you know it was like the tipping point was the decision to draft Jordan Love. You know that kind of translated into you know years and years of you and i just texting back and forth with each other into hey let's put together a podcast and then you know the tipping point was obviously the drafting of jordan love and if anyone wants to rewind to some of those pretty early stage (laughs) episodes that we did yeah we've we've improved but episode um, one yeah so where we vented our frustrations my point is i think this has kind of gone full circle now the whole fallout of the draft and the implications and the things that it has caused past over a year now could translate into the greatest quarterback of all time leaving your franchise. And I, I don't hesitate in saying that Aaron Rodgers is the greatest quarterback of all time when I say that. I, I don't have any problem saying that at all. You know, you can talk about Johnny Unitas and Bart Starr and Joe Montana and Tom Brady. I mean, all those, right? Um, I have no problem in saying that he's the greatest quarterback that's ever played. And we could be on the eve. What is it? May 30th right now? Yeah, it could be on the eve of something actually happening where this man who just put in an MVP season could be leaving your team, which I think is fucking ridiculous. I'm just really tired of that was a dime, by the way. I apologize for that. Very light. (laughs) You're going (laughs) to add to it. It was just kind of like later. It was like, think. I just felt like I'm just sick and tired of people saying, oh, Rogers, he, he just needs to, you know, he's getting paid all this money. You know, he's getting paid 134 million and, you know, he just signed this four-year contract and all this, and he just needs to stop whining and, and play. My response to that is that's all he's been fucking doing. He's been playing. He's been delivering. He's been holding up his his end of the bargain. And let's not forget when, when you're offered a four-year $134 million contract, including a 57 57- million signing bonus. That's coming from the front office. That's not, you know, Aaron Rodgers saying, Hey, you need to pay me. That's the front office saying, we need you here. You're our guy and we're going to pay you appropriately. I'm tired of people talking about him whining about this and whining about that and should play. All he's been doing is delivering every single year. So before we go on though, it's not Jordan love. No, absolutely. As much as it is, they Uh, drafted a quarterback, moved up to draft a quarterback And then at a time where you don't feel like, and I don't, I didn't feel like it either. I still don't. I don't, Jordan Love is not the problem. It's the quarterback position being drafted in 2020. That's the problem. Exactly. To finish that up, I just feel as though Rodgers has held up his end of the bargain and the front office has failed on their end. And we'll get to that in a minute, right? Like we'll talk, we can talk about the drafts during Rogers tenure. Yep. So let's start at the beginning though. Well, I, I just wanted to mention one more thing about like the contract and the money and stuff, because that, that always seems to be one of the points that people argue about the most is that he's getting paid all this money. He needs to just play. When you think about it, he deserves every single penny of that. The return of investment that he's delivered to the organization in general over the, he's been there 16 years, played 13. Think of the return of investment, what they're paying him and and what they've gotten in return. It's a great investment for them as an organization. Everybody has job security with Aaron Rodgers in the building. That goes from the top down. Everybody has job security. Your team is going to do well when that man is on the field, period. If you're Mark Murphy sitting in the front office, you're pretty comfortable, pretty comfortable. And so is everybody else. So are coaches, right? Of course, there's coaching changes happen all the time, right? Year to year, guys get promoted, they get 
job offers elsewhere. It's kind of like players. So they kind of come and go. With Rodgers being on the field and Rodgers being your teammate, he also makes you better. He not only makes you better, but he's also securing your job on the field too. He's played with not the greatest talent over the course of his career, and he's still delivering. When people talk about what he's getting paid, that's what he's getting paid for. And he's been delivering on that ever since. So I'm sick and tired of hearing that. That's my rant on that. No, and I understand what you're saying about the contract. The thing that we talk about, though, is he's the highest paid player. Should he be? And the Packers, absolutely he should be. He is the best quarterback in the league. He has delivered great statistics his entire career. They've won almost every year they've had a winning record while he was a starting quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. The stability is there. Should he get paid? Yes. If you're going to bring in other guys, though, where does that money come from? That's part of it. That's what we've talked about in the past. The other thing is, so to go off of what you said, if Aaron Rodgers leaves Green Bay and goes to Denver, Las Vegas, wherever he ends up, you know, if the Packers were to trade him, draft picks really aren't worth shit. I don't want to trade him to the Broncos and then they go 13 and three and they're drafting You know, then the Packers are getting a 30th pick in the first round. You almost, if you're going to trade Aaron Rodgers, and I know I'm going off on a different tangent here, but if you trade Aaron Rodgers, you need players in return. You don't need draft picks in return. Because is Aaron Rodgers worth three firsts? Yeah. But if it's three firsts and it's 28, 29, 30, you got ripped off if you're a Packer GM, you know, if you're a Packer fan. So getting him and trading him for draft picks, I think, is a huge, huge waste of Aaron Rodgers. I agree. Maybe we should get into, I guess I kind of wrote this all up from the perspective of Aaron Rodgers, right? So I'm going to put his cleats on right now and kind of deliver his side of things from what I think is going on. You know, he was drafted in 2005, as we all know, right? 16 years with the Packers. 24th overall out of Cal, you know, and this was a guy that on the the night of that draft, the two main quarterbacks in the first round were him and um, Alex Smith and Alex Smith ended up going number one, right? To San Francisco. Francisco. So it was kind of like, there was no question about the talent coming out. There has been with, in comparison to Jordan Love, right? So we knew the talent was there. San Francisco didn't uh, select him. They took Alex Smith. No one would have ever thought but he drops all the way to 24. And that's just probably the luck of and the you know the football gods looking down on Green Bay and saying no one between the first and 23rd pick needed a fucking quarterback. Right. Makes right? no sense. So how on earth he slipped that far? But like, again, the, the football gods were shining down upon us. But he gets selected there. And then he, then he has to sit behind three years behind Favre. Not the easiest chair to sit. Not the easiest clipboard to hold on the sideline. Not the easiest training camps to be in. Not the easiest locker room to be in. When you have this Green Bay icon, who, by the way, at this point in his career, is kind of circling the drain. I mean, in 2005, Brett Favre threw 29 interceptions. The wheels were starting to come off of Favre. He wasn't the, the Favre of old. And of course, there's always the, the, uh, the famous quote by Favre, which was, and I quote, my contract doesn't say I have to get Aaron Rodgers ready to play. Now, hopefully he watches me and gets something from that. I mean, you couldn't be more conceited. (laughs) And we've talked about Favre a million times, but 
you know, having to put up with that, right. Mm-hmm. Of just of being a total fucking dick uh, for three years is something that, you know, it's, that's something that he's had, he had to put up with. I mean, for three fucking years, throw a quarter in for me. Cause I, I, <laughs> um, I, I feel like that was, that was, that was his inauguration into the organization, into the NFL, right? Not exactly fun. Not exactly fun. Not exactly respected. Hey, you're going to sit here and carry a fucking clipboard for three years on this guy that's kind of a dinosaur, kind of aging out. It wasn't exactly easy uh, in the beginning for him. Now, in retrospect, though Favre did nothing to get Rodgers ready, I really think that Aaron Rodgers benefited from sitting behind Brett Favre and not being thrown into the fire. I think that's a mistake that a lot of teams do. And usually when you get drafted in the first round, you're a first round quarterback, you're going to a shit team. And because you're going to a shit team, they expect you to play right away. With Aaron Rodgers, he didn't have to play right away. And I think he was able to learn behind the best, granted not from far, and be able to become a quarterback and become a better quarterback who wasn't running for his life. And, you know, he wasn't stunted by the bad team he had around him. So I'm with you that Favre did nothing for Rodgers, but I think that in the long run, sitting behind and being able to learn the quarterback position was good for Aaron Rodgers. Looking at some of the drafts and, and some of the support or the lack of support, that I feel as though Rodgers has gotten uh, from the organization um, in reference to draft picks during his playing career. So when, as I was kind of spilling through some of it, I noticed that between 2011 to 2019, you know, he only started playing in 2008, but between 2011 and 2019, all their first round picks were defense, 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 defense. And then you move on to Gutenkust who started with the Packers in, was it 18? But he's been responsible for 37. You know, if you, if you add up all the drafts that he's been the general manager for, he's had a total of 37 draft picks. Only four receivers have been selected out of all those picks, three of which were all in 2018. The very first year, Gutenkus was, was general manager. And these are like, you know, these are the likes of Jamon Moore. And, and these aren't top picks. These are like down the road guys. Right. Guys that are on, on the verge of either making the team or not. Jamon Moore sucked. Right. He sucked. And then you have, you know, MVS and, and St. Brown, fifth and sixth rounders. These guys are continuing. You know, MVS has some bright spots this season. But again, you've got Aaron Rodgers throwing the football to you. He's a one dimensional player. These are fifth and sixth round picks. They are dead weight that we've, we've held on to for three years and we still can't decide they're just you know they're taking up spots on the roster when we could have better talent there to support Rodgers right I mean ultimately this whole conundrum of all this drama is basically you can say what you want about Rodgers but he just wants to win fucking Super Bowls that's it that is it and when you know I, I don't think it's it's a money issue I don't think it's it's anything else other than the fact that he just wants to win Super Bowls and it's like He's doing all he can. Why is he not getting the support he needs from the organization? But yeah, I, I feel as though as far as draft picks are concerned, and we'll get to Jordan Love and, and that whole 
train wreck. But yeah, I, I don't think during his entire tenure that he's been supported to give him the weapons that he needs to, to win Super Bowls. I don't know about this. So I go back and forth. There's a couple of things that bother me in the Aaron Rodgers era. I will say, though, Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, James Jones, Jermichael Finley, all guys that were drafted in the Rodgers era, never in the first round, never in the first round. They have not had a first round wide receiver, but they well, have. Cons- Nelson was a number one. Second round pick. Oh, he right. Was the he first was the pick first in pick that in draft, but a round. second round pick. That's true. So, That's so they true. haven't drafted a first round guy, but they have. James Jones was a third rounder. They just went on and got Amari Rodgers in the third round. Now, I'm not going to, I'm not trying to argue the Jamon Moore, MVS, Equinemia, St. Brown draft. All those guys were late round flyers. There were too many good players in that draft that they could have picked up. The problem I run into, though, is we didn't lose to the 49ers two years ago in the NFC Championship because our offense was bad. I know we had a problem with the Jordan Love pick. And we wanted a wide receiver. Both of us did. We talked about it over and over and over again, how we wanted a wide receiver. Go back to episode one if you never listened to it and listen to it. But we really needed a defensive lineman in that draft is what we needed. We needed a guy to stop the run because that's what the hole was. Now, we have never plugged that hole until I think we plugged it this year. But we we didn't even change the defensive line until we drafted TJ Slayton in the fifth round of this draft. Have we drafted weapons for Aaron Rodgers? Yes. They haven't been first round wide receivers. But if if I go back and I'm honest with myself and I go back to the picks that they've had, I love Jalen Reger. He fucking sucked this year. Denzel Mims. Now, granted, Denzel Mims had Sam <clears throat> Darnold throwing the ball to him, but he sucked too. Brandon Ayuk. Who knows? The rumor is the Packers tried to trade up for both Jefferson and Ayuk, and they didn't get there because San Francisco and Minnesota jumped over the top of them. So I wonder if one of those teams would have let that wide receiver go if we would have even had Jordan Love. Would we even be having this conversation? Would we even have this fucking podcast right now if the Packers would have moved up and picked Justin Jefferson in the first round? Probably not. We'd already, Justin Jefferson's on the team last year. I think we're at, we got the Super Bowl. We won the Super Bowl last year. I, I think so too. I think that with those kind of weapons. But to your point about, I agree that it's a great point that we did not lose to San Francisco based on our offense. But when you have eight years in a row between 2011 and 2019, where all the first round picks were defense, how the fuck is the defense the problem? After all of the, thank you. After all of those picks. Right. How is that still the problem? And till this day, even after this last draft this year, it's still the problem. It yeah. still has not been solved. Well, it goes it's back to wait what and we see. talked about. It's a wait and see, but it is not solved. It no. was definitely not solved last year. The same shit happened. It was like a replay. 13 and three, 13 and three. NFC championship, middle of the defense sucks. Loss. End of story. I mean, if you look back historically, that year that they scored like a million points and then they lost to Arizona, you know, on that face mask fumble, defense was clearly the problem then too. 
we didn't have a podcast, but you and I were calling for Dom Capers oh. to be fired years before they finally let go of him. And Mike Pettin, too. I mean, we were on and off, hot and cold. He had some decent games, but you were really out front on we need to fire Mike Pettin. Because, yeah, if you continue to draft Rashawn Gary, Eric Stokes this year, Jair Alexander, Josh Jackson, Oren Burks, like, all these defensive Darnell Savage, Kingsley Kiki, like you have d- drafted so many defensive players. Why isn't your defense good? Right. Because well, it should I be. Mean, not to go down a rabbit hole, but we are. But yes, we are. So, <laughs> but they always seem to get these retread um, defensive coordinators, right? Guys that, you know, have been fired in the past, guys who have been head coaches in the past, and now they're kind of like taking a job as a coordinator somewhere, right? They go from head coach to coordinator or they've been fired as a coordinator and get on as a coordinator somewhere else. And it's the same thing. That's what Capers was. That's what Pettin was. And that's what Barry is. All three are similar careers. So there is no like freshness to it, right? Right. There is no new generation coming in uh, as a defensive coordinator. It's the same, same script, as the last two. That's why I was a huge proponent for Jim Leonard. Like I was advocating yes. Jim Leonard. Yes. To myself Young, only. You know, fresh. as much as I call the Packers, they don't fucking answer. So, you know, Local. new Brilliant. young guy, new fresh ideas. Yeah. Would have been, been interesting. Perfect with LaFleur. Yeah. Perfect. But, but anyway. you didn't want it. So fuck right. him. Go Badgers. So. Yeah. All right. All right. So let's move on. So All let's right. talk. So, so we talked about the, the draft picks during Aaron Rodgers tenure. Yep. And I was looking, so I, Peter had said on an episode, like, you know, the Patriots have not drafted a wide receiver in the first round. That's not true, though. They drafted Nikhil Harry in 2019. Who fucking sucks, by the way. Yeah, he does. But they have not, they have drafted very few offensive players. And I thought this was interesting because I know Tom Brady is gone right now, and then they drafted Mac Jones. So this doesn't really fit with the narrative I'm going with. But they drafted in the Tom Brady era, Jacoby Brissett, who started in the league, Jimmy Garoppolo, who has also started at quarterback in the league. The Patriots drafted quarterbacks in the Tom Brady era, much like the Packers just did with Jordan Long. I'm not saying that it didn't push Brady out the door because it, I mean, it might have had something to do with it, right? Possibly. That they that he had the same reaction. He just stuck around because it's hard to lo- you know leave when you're winning Super Bowls. They yeah. have also done that, and I would call them the winningest franchise in our in our lifetime. Then um, the next thing I feel like uh, you know that that Rogers has had to put up with was you know the the rift between him and McCarthy. I mean that that was you know you could see it, you could almost feel it through the TV, right? I mean you could see it on the sideline. Um, both of them vehemently would always deny that there was anything going on. But what I, I, you know, after kind of picking through some of the articles and stuff, I, I didn't realize that McCarthy was the offensive coordinator at San Francisco the year Alex Smith was drafted. I so, wonder if that had something to do with it. So now, right? So now Rogers is kind of, you know, let, let's put it this way. I mean, he was disrespected as a 24th pick where you are kind of neck and neck w- with a guy who gets selected number one and then you slept, you slipped the 24 and the dude who was the offensive coordinator of the team that selected the other guy at number one now is your head coach. Ouch. A little bit, right? 
I would have to say that Mike McCarthy probably had some say, not a lot, but some say in who the 49ers were going to draft. Absolutely. I would think so. As the offensive coordinator, they would have asked him at least what his opinion was. You know, over the years, so I I tried to pick out some of the things that I felt were, you know, there there was probably a a lot, dozens of things, uh, games and decisions that McCarthy failed um, in, but uh, some of the things that I thought were were worthy were, do you remember in, in 2015 when McCarthy, he hands off the offensive plane calling to Tom Clements, right? Now that was, I don't know, I, I read a bunch of different articles. Some of it stated that, you know, it was a decision coming from the top, that they kind of relieved him of that. And then I've also read articles that said that it was actually McCarthy's decision. And he said that he was going to hand this off. But Either way, it was handed off to Tom Clements because obviously things needed to change and things were not working out well at all with the offense. It was not clicking. And then in the very same year in 2015, 12 games into the season, he, McCarthy, strips Clements of the offensive play calling and takes it back. Also in that year, you're talking 12 games into the season, you're far along into the season, right? You're, you're getting into the like playoff time. They get to the NFC Championship. This game I will never forget because this is the game that I put my cell phone through the wall of the living room. 2015 against the Seattle. <laughs> against Seattle. I will never forget this game. As I know exactly where I was sitting, everything. Pick off Wilson four times in the first half. Wilson has a zero QBR rating. They settle. If you remember this, everybody should. In the first half, they settle for an 18 and a 19-yard field goal. Now, if you do the math, what is the shortest distance field goal you can kick in the NFL? Those it two is field goals. Barely over 17. Right. That means the fucking ball was on the less than half, you know, half the one yard, yard line. line. Yeah. Or the one. Right. And you've again. Now this goes, I'm going to tie this back to Rogers, right? You've got this MVP Super Bowl player who is at that point riding high and is the best player in the NFL. You are one yard away from the end zone and the decision is to come out and kick and you end up tanking that fucking game in the second half. But who is your quarterback? Your quarterback is Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers needed he couldn't was struggling to score in that first half. They should absolutely should that game away. hundred yes. percent. But when you have Aaron Rodgers and you're in the NFC championship and you're ready to, to, to go to the Super Bowl and you've got Seattle on the ropes. Now Seattle wasn't a pushover team that year. I was kind of nervous going into that game. And they are walloping them in the first half mm-hmm. all over the place. You stick the dagger in them if you have Aaron Rodgers. I don't, I don't disagree give a fuck with you. if it's fourth down or not, right? I you agree go with for you. it. Yeah, At I, least one of those opportunities, you go for it. But again, it, it kind of, if I'm Aaron Rodgers and I'm getting pulled off that field and the field goal unit is fucking coming in, what's that telling you as a player? No confidence that you can do it. We don't, yeah, we don't have the confidence in you to, to fucking pull that off. Now, as a as a coach and as a franchise, you're paying that man for those for that situation right there, right then and there. I have a hard time, a very hard time saying that Rodgers didn't carry Mike McCarthy. He did. Rodgers did carry Mike McCarthy. Because if you go back to when Rodgers was hurt when he broke his collarbone and we had 
Brett Hunley and uh, Jared Abraderis and all kinds of guys. And he was McCarthy was still trying to run the same offense yep. with Jared Abraderis trying right. to catch the ball and Brett Hunley trying to throw the ball. You can, you have to change what you do to the talent you have around you. And that goes for Aaron Rodgers too. If you've got Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback, then you utilize his skill set, right? You have to be more creative and figure out ways so your best players can make plays. Right. You know, and, and McCarthy, I think that they'll find this in Dallas too, that he's just not creative enough no. offensively. No. He does what he does. He relies on great talent to make his offense go rather than scheme guys into being in positions they can be successful. And I think that's the difference between Lafleur and McCarthy is that Lafleur, I hope, if all of a sudden he doesn't have a piece, he schemes around it so that the Packers can still be successful. Yeah, I mean, that, that was my last bullet point on, on that point, too, is he just refused to make changes to the offense. I mean, in the 40, oh God, this is embarrassing, but the 40 plus years that I've been watching the NFL, you see the, the, the changes in the NFL, right? Everything from players, right? Players are The players of today are not the players of 1980. Position by position, their nutrition is better. Their training is better. They're stronger. They're faster. There's more money. They're making more money. There's, there's more at stake. There's this, there's that. I mean... It goes along the, the same lines, right? So the competition keeps on getting more and more steep. And in order to make it, and actually order in order to to fucking play, you got to be elite. Same goes with coaching, which means someone's always knocking on the door to take your shit, right? Always to take your position, right? So you have to come up with ways in order to be great. And that means if it's making changes, that's what you do. I mean, you see this all the time in the NFL. You know, in the 1980s with Joe Montana and, and Bill Walsh, it was the West Coast offense. That was like the new thing. Nobody could stop it. They, they just ran people over with that thing. Everyone was like, minds were blown. How do we stop this? How do we? And then everybody started running it. Right. And then everybody started running it. Exactly. And then, you know, everything. So my, my point, you know, what was it? Uh, what was it? A couple of years ago, they were running that. What was the offense with the quarterback? Oh, the Wildcat. The Wildcat, right? I mean, there, there, there's all these like little little things that kind of happen along with the NFL, right? And McCarthy had cement feet, right? Would not budge. That's where he stood. And, and to have a player like Aaron Rodgers, who ultimately just wants to win football games and win Super Bowls, and to have a coach like that, it's got to be aggravating as fuck. I mean, anyways, that, that's McCarthy. He had to put up with McCarthy. One more thing about McCarthy, though, and it kind of transitions into what we'll talk about later. I will go to my grave thinking that Aaron Rodgers checked out of plays during the McCarthy era. And I think he does it, but I think he does it less with LaFleur because he trusts LaFleur and his creativity and his play calling more than he trusted Mike McCarthy. I feel like we saw that in the NFC Championship game when it was pass, pass, pass. I think that was Rodgers, not LaFleur. And I could be wrong because I'm clearly not in the huddle or on the sideline. But I think when the chips are down, Aaron Rodgers trusts himself, not who's coaching him. So I am not, again apologizing for Mike McCarthy. I'm not a, an apologist, but I think it may be true, but like, isn't there a breaking point of frustration where he's probably just throwing his hands up? Like, I'm just going to take it on my own. Then we can't yeah. work together. We, we need to win. I want to win football games. If you're not going to make the calls that are going to get us there, 
I'm going to make the calls. Right, wrong, or indifferent, right? I think it was right most of the time with McCarthy. <laughs> I really do. I think it may be wrong with LaFleur, but sure. we'll see. If, if he is, if he is. Some more things that he's had to put up with, right? Some more, this is more of a, sort of the sacrifice that he's he's put up. Like any quarterback, and I'm not really trying to point these out as like that it's anything out of the ordinary, right? I mean, you play quarterback in the NFL, you're going to get hurt. You, you play any position in the NFL. Injuries are going to be part of your history, right? They're going to be part of your career. Some of them are more severe than others. Some some people bounce back quicker than others, depending on the severity, but everybody's going to get injured at some point, right? But I think it's it's notable to to look at some of this as, as part of, you know, the sacrifice that he's he's put on the field. 2010, he suffered two uh, grade one concussions. I mean, that doesn't feel good. Where's the protection? 2013, left clavicle f- fracture. We all remember that. Missed seven games. 2017, here comes the right clavicle. We all remember that. With the clown bar, the fucking Viking. Fractured that. And the, again, now this is this is on, on the throwing side. He returned for a game. And then before he, he ended up sitting out the last two weeks, right? They were like, the, the season was in the tank. They weren't going to make the playoffs. Sat him down just to, to recover. But breaking both of your collarbones, like that's basically one of the frames of your upper body <laughs> snapping in half. And when you're a quarterback and you're you're getting paid to throw the football, that's pretty serious. So he bounced back from both of those. 2018, remember, this was the year of the knee, right? This was the MCL sprain, grade two, carted off. And then he, I, I think he ended up, but that was the whole year of, of the knee. He fought through that. He was getting himself out. Of, he probably should not have been out on the field. But he Remember he that interview when he was so high? Was it the bear, yeah. after the Bears game? Was. When he was just kind of like, yeah, and they interviewed him afterwards. <laughs> but hey, uh, it shows it shows his dedication, right? He was willing to fight through that pain to win football games, even if that season was completely in the fucking toilet. And then again, later on in, in 2018, he, he suffered another concussion. So three concussions, two two broken clavicles and an MCL sprain. I feel like he's definitely laid his body out on the line for the Packers. The other points are, I mean, we could sit here all night on the list of achievements and stats and everything else, right? But the ones that I felt were tied into the, uh, you know, this whole discussion, probably the most important one is his QBR rating, right? I can't remember what it is. It's like 103 or something. It's, it's over 100. His career uh, rating his career. is 103.9. And we're not talking about this, that what's What's cool about this statistic is we're not talking about it in the past tense. Like That's he's retired. It's ongoing, right? Which means at any point he has a shit season, all-time NFL record. It could slip, right? He is not only the owner of that record, he's still adding to it. So it's still on, on the line right. every time he steps out onto the field. I feel, I feel like that's – and the quarterback rating obviously is – a computation of your efficiency as a quarterback. What more important statistic is there that's out there? I feel like that's just pretty interesting to to note that not only is he the all-time leader in QBR, but he's still playing. It's not a past tense statistic. And I know that Mahomes passed him for the quarterback rating, but he's played so many fewer years and, Let's see where that goes. I, I think that Rodgers, at the end of the day, will end up with that all-time quarterback rating record, and it will be almost impossible to break. Yeah. It's just a ridiculous number. 
We right. talked about it way back. If MVS would have caught one of those long balls, he would have had his highest quarterback rating ever. All right. he had to do was catch one of those long balls that slipped through his elbows. Because that's where he catches the football. Exactly. <laughs> so Not to belabor that point. Though. But yeah, the other stuff is nine Pro Bowls, three first-team All-Pros. But, I mean, again, I mean, I just felt like the QBR was – something to highlight in terms of efficiency and, and contribution. You're never going to get an argument from me. I think he is the greatest quarterback of all time. I will say that until my dying day, that he is the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. Wins are not a quarterback stat. I do not think Tom Brady even holds a candle to Aaron Rodgers physically on the things that Aaron Rodgers can do on a football field. Yes, he's won. We've talked about this before, so you're not going to get any argument from me. After listening to the Aaron Rodgers, Kenny Main interview, and again, interviewing quotes because it really didn't, he didn't say much. What he did say, Aaron Rodgers, was he loves his teammates, he loves the fans in Green Bay, and he loves the coaching staff. He didn't say it, but the only thing he doesn't like, and I don't know if this is Murphy and Gutekinds, or if it's just Gutekunst or if it's just Murphy. I don't know those things. But he only left out one aspect of the organization that he did not love, and that's the front office. So now what, though? At the end of the day, now what? Does Aaron Rodgers get traded? Does he retire? I know that's come up a lot. I've been reading articles like, oh, he can retire and come back in 2022. Nonsense. He doesn't retire. He's not giving back that money. There has to be some reparations. There has to, something needs to get repaired in this organization so that everybody can move forward. Front office failed in all of this. And I I blame them for this entire, and somehow this entire situation is getting pushed back onto Rogers as the bad guy. And Gutenkust and the front office have somehow distanced themselves from all the fucking drama when they're the ones who fucking started all this shit with the decision to draft Jordan Love, not Jordan Love, the, the, the player, right? We've already went through that. It's the decision, right? They could have saved face. They could have. If they would have picked up the fucking phone and called up Rodgers and said, hey, man, we're looking at the draft board. We're looking at where we're picking. We're looking at some of the needs. There's just this diamond out there, maybe a diamond in the rough a once-in-a-lifetime shot at preserving our organization for the next decade or whatever. We're thinking about going after a quarterback in the first round. We want to make you aware of that. Could have saved face by having a con- an adult conversation. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. He heard the news live when we heard the news live. Disrespect. Complete fucking disrespect. Is it the organization? So Aaron Rodgers is a first-ballot Hall of Fame quarterback. Player. Let's just say player. Forget that he's a quarterback for a minute. I don't know that the Packers have another one. Devontae Adams would be, I think, the closest talent-wise to a Hall of Famer that the Packers have. Maybe Bakhtiari. Probably Bakhtiari. But would the Packers go to Devontae Adams and say, hey, Devontae, we're going to draft another wide receiver. No, I know it's different because there's more than one wide receiver on the field. There's only one quarterback. So I get that there's that's not 100% parallel. Do the Packers go and talk to any other player on the roster and say, hey, we're drafting another guy at your position? No. So they only have to do it for quarterback. Yes. When you're paying him what you're paying him, when he's 
performing the way he's performing when he's centric to the entire organization's success? Yes, you do. My opinion. You know, if this goes down and here again, here we are at May 30th. If this goes down, if Aaron Rodgers, whatever the circumstances are, he gets traded. Like, I guess that's the only circumstance that can't happen. Yeah. It would yeah. be a trade. If he gets traded and the Packers lose him, that will go down as the single most idiotic sports franchise decision in the fucking history of sports, period. The worst. Now, I will give Gutenkust some kudos, right? Dude's got serious nads. Comes in. This dude was a fucking scout. A scout. He has no real player history or coaching history. None of that. Okay, you're a scout. You know talent. I will give him that. He gets promoted to GM of one of the most historic franchises in the entire NFL, right? Dream job. And dude comes in. You've got AFR, greatest quarterback ever to play the game. And you come in and you say, yep, we're drafting a quarterback. Serious Nats. You're an idiot, but you got serious Nats. Like I said, this is going to go down as the most horrendous fucking decision ever in sports because and and you throw on on top of that and you know i might as well go on record for this too if this does happen and they hand the ball over to to jordan love jordan love will not make it in the nfl it's way too early for him they way too early yeah i don't even care how early i don't see him at the talent level to make it in the nfl it's just my my humble opinion you don't move up We haven't seen anything from him. I agree that he needs to let's okay. God forbid the Packers deal Aaron Rodgers June one or whenever. I think Blake Bortles should be the quarterback of the green Bay Packers. I know that I kind of scoffed at it last week when Peter said it, but I would much rather have Blake Bortles who have started NFL games playing quarterback for the Packers than throwing Jordan love with no NFL experience at all. Not even a preseason and not really a camp. You can't do that because then you are setting your franchise back because he's not ready. He's not ready for that at all. And you are going to wreck him like quarterbacks, Derek Carr, all the guys that have David Carr who were thrown into the mix and weren't ready and their careers went in the shitter. You can't do that here in Green Bay. You can't. If this does go down, I pray every night it doesn't. But if this does go down... (laughs) Right. All the Packer fans, which I'm actually disappointed in, in a lot of Packer fans. There's so many of them just saying, well, he just needs it. You know, everybody's jumping on the, well, we'll be fine without you kind of thing. We're not going to be fine without Aaron Rodgers. All these years since whenever the, whenever Favre took over, like in 93 or something, whatever it was, 92, 93, right. And resurrected this franchise. We've been living the high life since then. Yes, we have. This goes down. That shit is over. It's over. And it's going to be over for a fucking while. Blake Bortles, Jordan Love, it's over. It's going to be over for at least another 10 years. We're done. We're going to go into the shitter. It's over. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. I'm glad I'm putting this all on a recording because it's going to happen. And one more thing on Gutenkus while, while I've, <laughs> we can wrap this portion up. I mean, if there was ever, you know, this, like I was talking about, he, he had the guts to, to do that. But if there was ever a slam dunk, you know, like when, when guys in the NBA, they kind of, they, they dunk on someone and they like, 
kind of just like glaze their nuts over the guy's like bridge <laughs> of his nose in doing so. That was Aaron Rodgers dunking on Gutenkust. The MVP. And, take, and the instead of a basketball, it was the MVP fucking trophy. <laughs> like, here you go. Draft your quarterback. Here's an MVP. And I've said that before, too. It's the ultimate fuck you to a GM in a front office. That And, and I, I even predicted it. If you go back, I don't remember what episode it was. I, I didn't say, I don't think I said he'll be an MVP, but I did say he was going to play with a chip on his shoulder. And when he's fucking pissed and he's going to play with a chip on his shoulder, look out and look what happened. So if we go full circle with that, if he's angry again and he comes back, will we get even more angry Aaron Rodgers? who I don't know how he could possibly outplay the 2020 numbers, but if he does. The war between him and the front office won't go away. If, if they do end up reaching a deal, right, that's not going to go away. That bad blood is not going to go away. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Why the fuck does Aaron Rodgers have to talk to Brian Gutekunst? He doesn't. They don't have to even be in the same part of the stadium. There's no reason for it. When they hold up the Lombardi Trophy in 2022, they can stand at opposite ends of the stage. Or when they're on that little thing, you know, Gutenkins or whatever can hold the Lombardi up later. They never have to be in the same room together, ever. I don't understand it. I get it. Whatever happened, happened. It's time to fucking let it go. I mean, if you're going to be pissed about it, then play pissed off because we'll love that because you'll be great. You proved it in 2020. You'll prove it in 21 again. And maybe we'll win a Super Bowl this time. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they've really just created this. And when I say they, I mean, the front office, they, they've really created, they created this entire situation. Now they have no, they have no fucking way out. No, that's right? the problem. That's stupid. They That's go the and they draft a fucking quarterback. The greatest quarter, the greatest quarterback of all time is already on your on your damn team. And now what? Now you're fucked, right? Because he's pissed. He just delivered an MVP season. And now what are you going to do? How are you going to save face? Now they're going to put what are they going to do? Push more money at him? They might have to. They might. I don't know where, where the hell it's going to come from. I don't <laughs> even think that's Rogers' motivation. I don't think it is either. I don't think it is. I, well, he's I don't not holding out for money. No, but I think he's holding out or he's this whole thing revolves around an extension, not an extension for more money, but I wanted to play in Green Bay till I was 40 plus and right. you drafted Jordan Love. So I think if they got to an extension, I think that's it for him. He yeah. under that's what he wants. He wants the respect of, I'm the greatest quarterback of all time. I want to go out on my own terms. And I'm sorry you drafted fucking Jordan Love. You made a mistake. Trade him for different picks. Because I'm the best quarterback in this building. And I will always be the best quarterback in this building. Sign me till I'm 42. And then I'll retire for real. That's what I hope happens. And I don't, I'm sorry, I'm going off on all kinds of other craziness. But did you see... The whole Miles Teller thing, like no. some dumbass. So Rogers is in Hawaii with. Oh yeah, I did see that he's. In and then Hawaii. some dick who I've never heard of, Miles Teller, is like, "Congratulations on your contract." What the fuck does that mean? That dick also got punched in the face in the restaurant. So hopefully it was a Packers fan who was like, "Don't fuck with us <laughs> right now, dude. 
Ain't time. Yeah. It's not the time. We're on edge. We're on. It's, We're on it's not edge. A good time. I'm about to stroke out, and you're fucking tweet, tweeting all kinds of craziness. And by the way, if Aaron Rodgers is in Hawaii, not relevant. Who no. cares? It's OTAs. Who who gives a shit? Yeah. I mean, the only reason why that's a story is because of oh, this summer, because of what's happened. This whole fucking drama, right? Who yeah. gives a shit if he's in Hawaii? Okay, I'm out of course. <laughs> Uh, all right so i'll use nickels the last the last item i wanted to talk about the position of lafleur here you are first gig as a as a head coach been around the league here and there you're a protege you're brought up by uh shanahan's shanahan's brought in with the shanahan's learn the ropes got your break get hired as a packers head coach you've got aaron Rodgers as your quarterback Things could not be greener. You could not have fallen into a better situation as a first-year coach. You go 13-3, and you go 13-3. and And now you've got this whole fucking situation. He's probably just thinking, oh, man. I mean, saw him get up on on the podium, and he's the typical Lafleur, right? Professional, stoic, says what needs. spectacular, by the way. He he is. I mean, he he, couldn't be handling this shit anymore. Across the board, there there isn't a fresher mind in football right now. In, in my opinion, he he's really firing on all cylinders, adapting with Aaron Rodgers, a couple bumps in the road, but man, they, once they got it going a couple bumps in the road, they still went 13 and three. They got steamrolled right. by the Niners, right? They go back to back 13 and three. Now there's this whole situation. Where does he fit into all this? He's just got to be kind of like hiding under the desk. Like, fuck, tell me when it's over. Right. Tell me when this is over. How does he prepare? Who is he? How does he prepare? Is he preparing his guys and, and his offense around Aaron Rodgers? Is he doing that for Blake Bortles? Is he doing it for Jordan Love? That's where where is his time going to be spent in preparation for the season right now? I don't know what he does. I mean, he's got to he- be like, shit, right. this sucks. I thought I had this. Hall of Fame quarterback. I thought I had this no problem, man. Yeah. For at least five, six, seven years. And now he's got this situation. It's got to be very disruptive to his coaching style. Absolutely. Has to be. And the other point I wanted to make, and I should have tied this into when I was talking about the Seattle game, the the NFC championship in 2015, is as much as I love LaFleur, and I do, I think he's going to be around a long time. Like I said, I think he's one of the newer, brilliant minds in football. The decision to kick that field goal last year against Tampa Bay was almost a repeat to the Seattle game of 2015. There you are again. Aaron Rodgers, riding the wave of an MVP season. They just drafted a fucking quarterback, firing on all cylinders. You're a game away from the Super Bowl, and you get pulled, and you see Mason Crosby coming on in the field. Let me tell you something. You have the greatest player in the NFL history on the field. It's fourth down. You've got the best receiver in the NFL on the field. You have one of the top running backs on the field. You have one of the top tight ends of that year on the field, right? You've got all these weapons. You have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. That's an easy decision. And when people start barking and moaning about what he's getting paid, that's what he's getting paid for. That moment, that fourth down moment is what you pay that man for. It all comes down to that. And to have that repeated, it wasn't Lafleur's intention as a disrespecting Rogers. It was probably more of a. It's fourth and seven. You know, it, he was trying to manage the game, right, to his advantage, right. Wrong call. 
bad call. What does that say again? I mean, with all the stuff like swirling around Rodgers, what does that say to him? Hey, man, it's fourth down. You deliver here. We're in the Super Bowl. Here comes Mason Crosby. So if I'm a player and I'm Rodgers, I'm like, I can't get any breaks here. I'm not getting any breaks from the front office. What I'm getting paid for to do, which is win Super Bowls, and when I'm in positions like this, fourth down, I'm getting pulled out of the game, not to win the game. I'm not given, I'm not being even given the opportunity. So what am I doing here? I think that going forward, to add to what you just said, I do think that LaFleur will go for it. I think if Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers in 2021 and beyond, I think in a big moment, I think he will put it in Aaron Rodgers' hand. And nothing against LaFleur. It was a bad call. It was a bad call, but considering everything, and I know it was a game time decision, I know it was a game game time call, but with everything around it, that to me is the easiest call you could make as a coach. You've got Aaron, you live and die by that, right? You're in the press conference. They didn't make it on fourth down. At least you could stand up there and say, yeah, man, we got the best player in creation. That's why we do that thing. It was an easy decision. I'll stand behind him hundred percent. End of rant. I think I'm done. All right. Then let's wrap it up there. So thanks for listening to episode 44, the Bobby Dylan episode. Bobby Dylan. Yeah, Bobby yeah, Dylan. Wasn't... The safety that just got inducted into the Hall of Fame. Oh, that's right. But who was the running back a couple of years back? That uh, kind of wiry guy. You know what I'm talking about. Starks. Starks. Wasn't he 44? I just I had to go with the Packer Hall of Famer. Yeah, he trumped Starks, I guess. <laughs> God, I'm I'm like exhausted i don't know how many quarters are in this jar but it's a lot it's... i am literally out i started throwing in nickels and pennies and stuff because i have no more quarters i said what needed to be said i'm standing by it all right go back go back go back